another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. Wobby with you along with my partner per usual. It's Giles. And we're excited to dig down deeper into the first half of the Vikings 2023 draft haul. We kind of went over the draft in general in our last episode. And we let you know that over the course of the next two episodes, we're going to drill down deeper into the draft picks that the Vikings came away with from last weekend. And so we're here to do the first three draft picks for the Vikings this year. Today, next week, it'll be the back half, the last three draft picks, which I actually came away from the draft feeling a little bit more excited about those those last three picks than I did the first three. But maybe my mind will change a little bit after we drill down deeper with some data and some more opinions and insight from yours truly and from Giles on the first three picks. So that's what we're going to focus on today. We might touch on a few things at the end of this episode before we wrap things up, but we want to uh, to keep our focus on the draft as the Vikings come away from the main tentpole event of the offseason with an offensive player uh with a 23rd pick so we'll start with him then we'll get into uh, a couple of defenders that the vikings came away with in the draft as well so to help me do that is going to be giles we bring him in right now hey giles how you doing man hey hey happy monday best day of the week uh, yeah, that's uh really right. excited to, to chat through things today uh everyone that knows me knows that best monday is the best day of the week whether things are going good or things are going bad it's a it's a great reset time which could honestly be a pretty heavy comparison to the nfl draft whether your your team is doing well or it's not it's a good time to reset and try to 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 rehash things at different positions and try to improve uh that's the way i look at monday so definitely excited to chat through the first three picks of the 2023 draft um i know uh, there's some some skepticism from some members of the media that uh some picks were better than others but uh when you look at the upside of these first three players I'm really, really intrigued. Yeah, and and let's start with the first one of them all, and that is the wide receiver Jordan Addison. Um, pick 23 for the Vikings. Now they they should have been picking 24th, but mm-hmm. they selected 23rd in the first round, not because they made a trade up, but because Miami had to forfeit their first round pick, and Miami was ahead of the Vikings. So the Vikings picked 23rd in the first round, and I'll let you get into. I'll let you start, Giles, where you want to start when it comes to Addison, his background, his mm-hmm. skill set, um, or and or his projection with the Vikings. But I want a, a little groundwork or context on this pick, and you can comment on that or not. I I think the Vikings are rightfully excited and genuinely excited about Addison. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I, I think if if Kevin O'Connell didn't think he was a great fit in this offense, I think he would have been okay selecting a player at a different position. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that there's any reason to throw water onto the fire for of the Jordan Addison pick at all. However, I will say we talked about this. I don't know that he was like their, their first selection, like their first choice Mm -hmm. uh, for, for pick number 23 and and I truly don't know if he was their first choice among the wide receivers and and I might be wrong on that and we'll never know unless Quezzy lets us into the draft room and and shows us the draft board right mm-hmm. we'll we'll never know that um but the reason I say that is what we talked about earlier um they used up almost all of their time mm-hmm. right um which indicates to you that they may have been trying to trade out of it yep and we talked last week, um, we we hearkened it back to the draft where Laquan Treadwell was selected, which I believe was 2016, if yes. I'm not mistaken. We talked about this. 
where it was like there were three wide receivers taken right in a row. The Vikings got the third of the bunch. It was Doxson who went. Um, I can't. Who was the other? Uh, Will Fuller who went. Will Fuller, it was Will yeah. Fuller, Doxson, and then Treadwell. So you wondered if the Vikings had stacked um, theirs and Treadwell wasn't their top one, and they just had to take who was left. So yep. uh, and and we don't know if that happened here um, for the Vikings, but there were three like. Addison was the fourth in a row. So mm-hmm. three receivers went off the board before Addison. Now I would be fairly certain in guessing that they would have had Zay flowers ahead of Addison Yep. and Giles, you were really high on Zay flowers. Yep. Now the other, the others who went in front of Addison, you could convince me that the Vikings liked Addison more than the other two. You cannot mm-hmm. convince me that they liked him more than Addison. Only Quezzy and O'Connell can do that. And Correct. they'll never take the time to do that. So yep. long story short, they get Addison. I think they're excited about him. I think they would have rather had flowers, but he went three picks in front of him. They got Addison for a lot of reasons. I think they mm-hmm. liked him. I think he's a good fit. Um, he's got a lot in his background and I'll be curious to see what your projections are um, for, for him with the Vikings, as well as some of your opinions on his background. So from there, I'll let you uh, kind of steer the ship. Yeah, hundred percent. So when I think about this past off season, we've added Josh Oliver, who's one of the best, if not the best blocking tight ends in the league. Um, mm-hmm. We re-signed CJ Ham, who is kind of a, a pseudo running back, fullback uh, yeah. kind of tight end person. Um, so all signs point to the fact that they're trying to beef up uh, and maybe run more 49er style offense than maybe the Rams style offense. Um, That's me making a few assumptions there, but those indications make me think that we're going that direction. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was maybe a little bit more higher on Zay Flowers because he's more of a a Debo Samuel guy that can be a little bit beefier uh, in all aspects of the game. Um, Agreed. With that being said, if you weren't going to pick Zay Flowers, um, whether he wasn't on the board or you didn't want to pick him, Jordan Addison was my next best pick um, uh, for a lot of reasons, including the fact that he is more uh, of a uh, Adam Thielen 2.0 and the idea that he's a great route runner. He's a freak physically. I mean, he really, really understands things. And I think before I get into the real nuts and bolts of what he brings to the table, I think a couple of things can be true that he may not have necessarily been the the number one wide receiver on their board holistically, but that he was the, the pick that Kevin O'Connell wanted at 23. Now, the reason that I think uh, they took the entire time at the draft is I think Quezzy wanted to see if he could get uh, a, a haul back by trading back, but that Kevin O'Connell wanted to pick Addison. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you analyze, this is me psycho, psychoanalyzing here, but if you look at the, the tape that the Vikings released post-draft, um, uh, Kevin O'Connell was saying that he's like, this is the best player on the board. He's a day one starter. He yeah. kind of said it in a, in a, um, a little bit of a tentious tone, in my opinion, where okay. it made me wonder, did they record that mid, mid, uh, mid selection where they hadn't selected him and he was pushing for us to pick Jordan Addison. Uh, but that Quezzy was like, well, let's see if we can get a haul back and maybe we'll trade back and still try to get him. But Kevin O'Connell was like, no, let's pick this guy. He's a day one starter. And that yeah. those were maybe in disagreements, uh, those two were in disagreement. So then once they were able to actually select Jordan Addison, both of them were saying, Hey, we stuck to the plan. We stuck to the plans that made, made me wonder if, uh, those two were in disagreement for a little bit, but at the end of the day, we did pick Jordan Addison, which I think was a great thing. 
Um, I know once again, some people disagree, but I think when you think about getting a day one starter, like Kevin O'Connell said, I think Jordan Addison definitely is that guy. Like I mentioned, he's a freak physical athlete. Uh, he has knowledge of both offense and defense from playing both sides of the ball in high school. So he went to uh, uh, Frederick, Maryland. Um, currently, he's 21 years old. So he was born in 2002. He has six brothers, three sisters. This guy comes from a big family. Um, the, way I, the way I mentioned that is that I think he knows how to interact with people. Like he's a, he's a team player, so to speak. But in high school, he played three different positions. He played quarterback, wide receiver, and he was a defensive back. He was a four-year starter, which maybe neither here nor there, but he's a four-star recruit. He was the 10th best athlete going to the 2020 class, uh, recruiting class. Um, he was the 12th best prospect out of Maryland. Uh, and then he committed to Pitt early after uh, high school graduation. Mm -hmm. uh, so this guy, uh, you know, was 2020 season freshman. He was an All-American by the Athletics, the Rivals, and 247 Sports. He was an honorable mention for all ACC Rookie of the Year runner-up. Um, he was the first pit wide receiver to achieve multiple hundred yard games since, uh, uh Tajay Boyd. Um, this guy going into his sophomore year was the ACC championship winner, um, six catches, 117 yards, a touchdown. He was the peach bowl, uh, loser, unfortunately, but, uh, this guy put up over 1500 yards, 18 touchdowns, hundred catches. Um, uh, he was fourth in the nation in receiving yards. This guy was doing um, some pretty interesting things. Yeah. Uh, he was first team all American and they entered the transfer portal in May 3rd of 2022, transferred to USC. Uh, and from there went on to achieve almost a thousand uh, yards, eight touchdowns, 59 catches. Uh, he chose not to play in the bowl game to prepare for the NFL combine. Uh, and then was ultimately picked uh, in round one uh, from us. But when yeah. you think about all the different elements leading up to that, he really did some interesting things. Now I can get to uh, uh, kind of the, 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 the different ways that he was used uh, in all those different elements, uh, especially at uh, USC. Um, uh, but any thoughts uh, thus far yeah. kind of in his thought? Or in no, his I, I, I think he's uh, a, a well-decorated player. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he has absolutely demonstrated an ability to produce at every level he's been at, you know, and um. I think any holes that you can poke in his resume or background, um, you know, there are few and far between, but any of mm -hmm. anything that you can, you can cover it up with lots of other accolades or accomplishments. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I think from a background and a past production standpoint, you can't be anything except excited. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, what excites me more than that, though, and I think you're going to get into this right now is the usage and the versatility mm -hmm. paired with a running mate in Justin Jefferson, who to me is also a versatile player that you can line up in different spots on the field. So, I mean, you look at his, his P we use PFF a lot here and mm -hmm. you can love it or hate it or be somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter, but at least it gives you a baseline. It gives you a, you know, it, it grounds you somewhere. It gives you a jumping off point for a debate. Mm -hmm. And even if, even if, uh, you know, uh, you're one who just completely disregards PFF or you're, you view them as a, a religion, the truth is somewhere in between probably. Okay. So, you know, his PFF grades were really good every year mm -hmm. of his college career, but they were particularly good, uh, in 21 and 22. Uh, so mm -hmm. he obviously demonstrates the ability to progressively improve and get better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think his production was outstanding from what I can see, he runs great routes, but from what I hear from people talking about him, he runs great routes. So I see him as a great fit. Um, I, I can see why O'Connell likes him. I can see why they think he's a good running mate to uh, Justin Jefferson. Of course, Adam Thielen leaving opens up that opportunity. I, I feel that KJ Osborne is someone who can be productive and um, 
someone who should not be overlooked, but I don't think KJ Osborne's ceiling is what Jordan Addison's ceiling is or what obviously Justin Jefferson's is. And I think you are much better off if KJ Osborne is your two B or your Mm -hmm. number three guy, as opposed Mm -hmm. to if he's your two A, I think if he's your two A, you're, you're left wanting a little bit more. I think if he's your third guy, I think he's one of the best third guys you can have in the league. So, um, you know, I look at Jordan Addison snaps by position in college and, Mm -hmm. um, obviously he's predominantly used out wide, but I see lots of stuff in the slot enough Mm -hmm. in the slot that makes me think he can be used in the slot in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. if you can, if you can take a guy who's predominantly out wide, but get him to be good in the slot, you can probably get him to be good on the inside slot. You can probably line him up in the backfield. So I I think you're going to get into this a little bit, Giles, but what excites me more about his past, his past production is the projection of what he could be and his versatility that Kevin O'Connell will be able to use with the Vikings. Yeah, a hundred percent. And honestly, that that directly references his 2021 season when he uh, was in his last year with Pitt. Um, mm-hmm. He predominantly played in the slot there. He had 576 snaps in the slot and 256 out wide. Wow, now, okay. that's that's usage, right? So he was more of a slot receiver than a wide. It uh, it completely flipped when he went to USC. Um, now I would say he had similar PFF grades in both years, um, just in different ways. Uh, essentially, for for USC in 2022, he played 102 snaps in the slot and then 422 snaps snaps out wide um both had phenomenal pff grades but when you analyze his 2021 uh performance uh, in pit um not only did he play a lot of slot he also was pretty phenomenal at run game he had a 71.8 grade in the run blocking game so that makes me really really excited especially when you pair that against justin jefferson you mm-hmm. put justin jefferson out wide and then you put jordan addison in the slot um not only can he achieve success when when uh, being a slot receiver, but ultimately when you're running play action and doing a few other things in that regard, that he can still be an adequate run blocker, which I think will really, really uh, give us a a really high upside when it comes to being uh, uh, a team that is not being able to be predictable. Um, So when you think about when he's on the field, if he's able to produce uh, pretty good run blocking as well as be a good slot receiver, really, really excited about that. But obviously when you put him out wide, he's still achieved success. Um, When you look at his sheer receiving production, um, in the short game, uh, between zero and nine yards, he had an 89 grade uh, PFF wise. So he did phenomenally. Um, now, when you start extending that into the medium and deep category, when it comes to receptions, medium being 10 yards to 19 yards and deep being 20 yards plus, um, he gets better. Literally, the farther out he goes, the better he gets. Uh, in uh, deep passes, um, he achieved 370 yards. He had a 99.9 PFF grade. <laughs> Like this guy had 92 yards after catch. Like this guy, if you can get him loose, this guy is phenomenal. So I'm really excited to see him paired against Justin Jefferson um, to really present some really deep threat games because at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins is at least a top five, if not better, deep threat uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. So you're pairing tremendous accuracy with two really good deep threats. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, Now he had uh, probably the biggest production um, excuse me, in the medium game between 10 and 19 yards. Um, ultimately he had 17 targets, 12 receptions. He had a touchdown 58 yards after catch and a 94.9, uh, PFF grade. So really, really exciting from that standpoint. Now, when you talk to people about, uh, uh, this guy, like when you think about, you know, what, what is a negative to this guy? The only thing that people really can come up with is, will he have success with 
someone that is not an above average quarterback. Hmm. Um, so like when you look at Caleb Williams, uh, he, you know, he has a, a chance to be a pretty high draft pick next yeah, year. Probably um, number one overall. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, minus something askew going on. Uh, he has a, a phenomenal quarterback throwing to him. So will yeah. he be able to be successful with a non elite quarterback, which in some ways uh, people say Kirk cousins is, I think he's closer to that. than uh, Kirk cousins is closer to Caleb Williams than being a complete train wreck, but that would be the one question mark around him. Now I think, Kirk presents some tremendous accuracy. So I don't project any issues with that, but that in my opinion is one of the biggest knocks against them is that he's only played with great quarterbacks. Um, But other than that, he's a complete natural. Uh, He's talked a lot about looking up to Stephon Diggs being a product out of Maryland. Um, Really excited about that. And he said, because of Stephon Diggs, he switched from a defensive back to receiver and wanted to to, uh, kind of, follow his, his footsteps, so to speak in route running. Um, he got a scholarship from Notre Dame to play quarterback even. So like this guy is no slouch in a defensive back that, Oh, he couldn't make it as cornerbacks. He went to receiver. This guy understands both sides of the ball, which I think makes him an even better route runner. Cause he, he understands cornerback and can understand how to, to manipulate that, that, so to speak. Um, He's talked a lot. Be uh, talked a lot about being uh, kind of an artist when it comes to route running, and he says he's going to go painting out there, painting pictures. Yep. So yep. Uh, I'm really excited to see this because he reminds me a lot of Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson in terms of their attitude. They come to the game as uh, a complete professional, so to speak. Like I take this very seriously. I'm yep. not here just out here to have fun. I want to win, and I'm being aggressive about this. So I'm really yes. excited about that attitude that comes to the field. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say, Giles. The other thing that I don't love is um okay. is his size and frame fair you enough know, he's 5'11 174 so yep. if anything that to me is a bigger potential uh chink in the armor than the can he play with a quarterback who's not elite and the reason yep. for that is um there's nothing you can do about your size i mean he, sure. he can't i mean that this is who he is now right. um devonta smith small player elite production Deshaun Jackson, small player, elite production in his prime. So it's, this is not a a deal breaker. I just don't love it. And Mm -hmm. if there was something you could change about a guy, I think with him, it'd be his size. I don't worry about, can he, can he do it without an an elite quarterback? I don't want to get into the, is cousins elite or not, whatever. We're not going to talk about that, but I mean, cousins is an upgrade from Kenny Pickett and from Caleb Williams at this stage in each of their careers. So we don't have to worry about can he do it without an elite quarterback because he's got the best quarterback he's ever played with is with the Vikings. So I'm yeah. good there. Don't love his size. There's ways around that. You can still be productive even if you don't have great size. Plus, there's ways around it. Put him in the slot where he's off the mm-hmm. line. He can't get pressed. Uh, motion him. Put him in bunches. Um, mm-hmm. All sorts of things you can do to get around that. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they deploy Jordan Addison. And then I'm also curious to see, and we alluded to this or mentioned this last week, Giles, if they use him on special teams at all and in what capacity mm-hmm. he, I don't, I, I should have, I, I should have prepped this, but I don't know what his punt return or kickoff return numbers were in high school and college, but um, he looks to me, he looks like a punt returner. When I watch mm-hmm. him with the ball in his hands and when I just yeah. look at him, he looks like he could return punts. And to me, that's as important as what his stats might be returning punts at Pitt three years ago. I mean, whatever. Yep. doesn't matter to me. Does he have the skill set and does he have the intuition to do it? And and something tells me he does. Whether they choose to do that with their WR2 or not is up to them, but I think he's got mm-hmm. the skill set to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all things considered, 
I came away a little underwhelmed from a positional standpoint that they took Jordan Addison. But when I look at the player and we talk a lot about, especially with quarterbacks, it kind of matters where you go as to whether or not you're going to end up being a good player or not. When I look at where you, where he went, where Jordan Addison went, it's a great match. I think Mm -hmm. him going to the Vikings, he should be as excited about him coming to Minnesota as Minnesota is about, you know, Addison coming to them. And I think if you were able to get a, a repeat, so to speak, with Justin Jefferson in 2023 and his production, I think you could give a decent portion of that success back to Jordan Addison and the idea that they're going to draw coverage away from just, uh, Justin Jefferson. Because uh-huh. I think some teams sold out to stop him, and they stopped him. Um, and we, in some ways, were able to, to um, kind of uh, defeat other teams in different ways, and we were able to punish them, but not every time. Like There was not a ton of answers to when they sold out to stop Justin Jefferson, and I think this is that answer. If they sell out to stop Justin Jefferson between TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, we should be able to extremely punish other teams. So I think you're going to see less and less teams selling out, so to speak, which mm-hmm. means Justin Jefferson might thrive even more. Okay. You, um, yeah, g- great point guys. And we're going to move on to, uh, the next draft pick Blackman. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I mentioned in the, in the buildup and I, I had forgotten that I mentioned it until you just said it, but I said, we're going to talk about the first two picks of the Vikings draft affecting their offense, because I view Hawkinson as a, kind of a part of this draft class because mm-hmm. they used the pick in this class to get them. So, um, and then when we were talking about KJ Osborne being a two for you, you're kind of wanting more. If he's a three, it's you're perfect. But really when you look at it, Hawkinson's their two, he's yes. their second best threat. Correct. So Addison is their three and KJ Osborne is their three B or their four. And with that setup, you know, I think I don't, you know, there's not much more you can ask for, really. I mean, at the end of the day, you got the best or second best wide receiver in the entire league. You got a first round wide receiver that you're building up. You got a top five, top three tight end in the NFL. And then you got KJ Osborne, who as third and fourth wide receivers go, I don't, you can't really ask for much more, you know? Um, so exactly. Yeah. So, um, you we know, talked so, a lot this offseason about TJ or uh, uh, T Higgins coming to the Minnesota Vikings. And yeah, we were talking about yeah. how we were able to achieve a number one offense. Yeah. If you can, let's say, let's project that, uh, that Jordan Addison is able to achieve similar levels of success. That's a big, if don't get me wrong, but if mm-hmm. then we're able to do exactly what we suggested without having to overpay for him. So that's right. a really, really exciting possibility. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So um, really like where the Vikings are at from a primary pass catching standpoint. I think they're in a good spot. And although you can scratch your head or wonder about, you know, or, or I, I guess you, you could say you could claim that one is being too presumptive by being excited about a rookie wide receiver helping out this offense because a guy like Thielen leaves and it's, you know, you're, it's pretty presumptuous to think that Addison can step in and do what Thielen did. Maybe it is, but also look what Justin Jefferson did as a rookie. And if Jordan Addison is 65% as good as that, you are better this year than you were last year at wide receiver one and wide receiver two. So agree full stop. Uh, Right. Okay. So let's move on to not the second round. Cause that's kind of the Hawkinson pick, but we'll go to the third round where the Vikings took a corner, Makai Blackman also out of USC. 
And um, with Blackman, I think you're um, you're addressing a position that I was wondering if the Vikings would address in the first round. They wait till the third round to do it, but that doesn't mean that they didn't do it well. I think there's a lot to like about Blackman. Um, mm-hmm. Giles will get into some of his background um, and some of his snaps by position and some of his grades, but um, you know, I think I think the Vikings do a good job here. We mentioned they need to literally get warm bodies into the cornerback room because they were they were running out of people to play uh, with some of the departures. Uh, the addition of Byron Murphy is elite. I love that. And they do have a couple of youngsters coming up behind him uh, that they can kind of groom. Uh, and now they add another one to the list uh, to the group here in Blackman. So um, not not a young, not a young guy by any stretch. Um, I believe he's 20, old. yeah, 24 years old. That doesn't bother me so much. Uh, certainly has some good experience and production, uh, in college and comes to a Vikings defense that is thirsty for production and an answer at cornerback. So thoughts here, Giles on Makai Blackman. Yeah. I mean, ironically, I know we were talking about him being 24 years old. He actually had his degree in uh, gerontology, which is uh, mm-hmm. essentially the study of old age, the process okay. of aging, <laughs> there you go. Uh, which yeah. is just kind of a, a funny thing. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I'm really, really intrigued about this prospect, maybe more than uh, Jordan Addison, even uh, because I look at this guy that should have been a first round talent, uh, in my opinion. Um, he ultimately dropped. And I think that's partially because he encountered injury and we'll call it roadblocks throughout his entire career. When it came mm-hmm. to high school and college, uh, he ultimately grew up in uh, Hayward, California. He attended uh, Menlo and Atherton uh, high school. Uh, he was a three-star recruit. He was a 23rd ranked cornerback and 45th ranked player out of California in 2019. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, um, he had some issues going on in high school that I've heard about. I don't know exactly the, uh, the parameters to it, but uh, at the end of the day, that caused him to, to drop out of uh, getting offers for, uh, for college. So essentially he got a, a little bit of a late start. So he went to Juco in San Mateo, um, in 2017, uh, he played pretty well. Uh, they won 11 and two. They had the winningest record in program history. They advanced the state championship. And ultimately that was able to propel him to go to Colorado in 2018, uh, through 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially he was able to, to, uh, put a bunch of work on the field, so to speak, to get him back into more of a, a neutral footing based on everyone else's age. But he was behind the, the eight ball, so to speak, all throughout that time up until mm-hmm. 2017. Um, went to Colorado, performed very, very well. He was a 2021 all pack 12 honorable mention. Uh, and then after that, he transferred to USC in the 2021 season. Um, and then in 2022, this is where he really, really stepped it up. He achieved a 90.6 grade in 2022 with USC. He was the 2022 third team, all P or AP all American. Um, this guy led all pack 12 cornerbacks. This guy was phenomenal. He played in the slot, played out wide. Um, this guy was doing pretty, pretty well, already played pretty mm-hmm. well at Colorado, but when I, <clears throat> excuse me, went to USC, uh, lined up directly aside from, or, uh, uh, on the other side of, uh, Jordan Addison, this guy is a baller. He takes his work very, very seriously. Uh, you talk to any one of his, his, uh, his teammates and his coaches. And this guy is the, the epitome of success when it comes to effort. This guy is the first person in the building, last one out. This guy uh, really intrigues me, yep. <clears throat> excuse me, so to speak, when he, uh, when he was so far behind the eight ball and was able to get back up uh, into the third round, this guy fell quite a bit uh, based on his, his, uh, his, his slow act to get uh, back into a good footing. So I'm really, really excited about this prospect. So as draft picks go, Giles, in, in the NFL, um, Blackman's the 102nd pick of the draft, mm-hmm. third-round pick. Generally, even, 
even at corner, which is a premium position, generally mm-hmm. speaking, you you look at first, second, and third round picks as guys that very fair to suggest they can come in and start for you as rookies. Mm-hmm. Once you once I think you get out of the top 100, and he's 102, so he's technically out of the top 100, but once you get out of the third round, once you get out of the top 100, once you get out of the third round, you're kind of looking at guys that you are expecting to come in and help you maybe as rookies, but down the road can be starters. So mm-hmm. I look at Blackman, and when, when I look at it from that perspective, plus us viewing the Vikings cornerback room as being certainly under construction, Mm-hmm. with no surefire starters outside of Murphy, the free agent signing. I look at, I, I expect Blackman to come in and probably start games as a rookie. And I if agree. that doesn't happen, or if he plays poorly as a guy who's just a reserve and backing up and playing occasionally, I'd be very disappointed about that. So mm-hmm. I think even though a number of corners went before Blackman, I have a feeling that the Vikings had Blackman among their top three, four, five corners in the draft and got them in the third round. That'd be my mm-hmm. guess. Just reading between the lines, reading tea leaves, um, thinking about Brian Flores, thinking about this this defense, thinking about Blackman's background. I think that they kind of had Blackman as a guy that they would have loved. They said, we'd love to get our hands on this kid. We, mm-hmm. we want him. So yep. that's my sense. Um, and I, I think he comes in with a great opportunity to contribute early and perhaps be a starter um, mm-hmm. in for the Vikings in his rookie season. So yeah. um, I don't have any qualms about his size. 5'11", 178 is what I've seen listed. I think that's good. I'm not a big age guy. Uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I think at a third round pick, you, you kind of want two contracts out of him. And mm-hmm. in that case, add eight years to his age you know he's 32 i think if you get two two contracts out of a third round pick you're good mm-hmm. he'd be 32 i think it's fair to expect a 32 year old to be coming out of a second contract and like that's kind of the stage of his career where he becomes a year-to-year mercenary for teams so i'm fine with his age it's not like it's a 20 he's a 26 year old or something mm-hmm. so Really solid pick. Made me feel a lot better about the Vikings draft in general after they didn't address the position uh, in mm-hmm. the first and couldn't address it in the second. They addressed it in the third. And so this was kind of one of those where I, even though I mentioned I'm more excited about the last three picks and the first three picks, if you had me power rank the first three picks, I probably would have put this one number one, Addison number two, and Ward mm-hmm. number three. So I'm yep. I'm a fan of this pick. And I think there's a good chance we'll move on now to the safety to Ward, but Gals, I think there's a good chance that one year from now, two years from now, it'll be like, wow, Blackman, third round pick. Wow, that was nice. That was a good find. Agreed. Because I think he's the perfect combination of talent, like raw talent, effort, and a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He yeah. was delayed and, and not everyone took a chance on him and he really had to work for it, um, which among all the positions that you want a chip on the shoulder, corner may be number one. You want some mm-hmm. attitude with your corner uh, and this guy has it. So I'm really, yep. really excited to see what he can do for us. Yep. All right, let's go to the third and final pick that we're going to dive deep on today, and that is safety Jay Ward. Safety, we should use that term lightly, I think, Giles. He mm-hmm. um, he may be a player who plays in a lot of different spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you'll get you'll get into that with some of your your breakdown of him. What's interesting about Jay Ward, aside from him as a player and person and his background, is the connections that he has to the Vikings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 
having been having played for Durante Jones um, and having been teammates at USC with a couple of Vikings in Justin Jefferson and Ed Ingram. So um, we, we talked about safety as not really being a position we saw the Vikings addressing early, Giles. We, we really liked the Vikings' safety room coming into the draft mm-hmm. um, yep. with mm-hmm. their versatility, with their youth, yeah, and just and Brian Flores and what he might do with it. So a room that we already liked, Giles, got better with the addition of Jay Ward, and Jay Ward is just more of what they already are, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, nebulous, versatile, undefined, mm-hmm but not wayward or lost a great combination of that. So uh, a very interesting choice here for the Vikings, a safety and more proof. I think perhaps Giles that teams don't let need dictate how they draft exclusively dictate how they draft. They like to take good players and players Mm -hmm. that fit. And I think Jay Ward is a player. The Vikings looked at and said, this guy fits with who we are as a safety group and as a defense. Yep, 100%. And I think the sheer fact that Durante Jones, who is currently the Minnesota Vikings defensive backs, backs coach, yep. was the defensive coordinator at LSU when he was there, I think should show you that we think that we can get a lot out of him. Because um, to be honest, I look at this player as someone that has tremendously high upside, but maybe wasn't focused as much he maybe as maybe he should have. So mm-hmm. I think although he has played pretty much everything in the backfield, he's played uh, corner, nickel safety, safety, wide corner. Like this guy has played it all and he's all played it uh, at least average and some carries above average. If you're able to isolate that to a few of them, I think you're going to get even better production out of him. Um, but I think when you think about the versatility, I think the Vikings like that to be able to produce the illusion of complexity, where if you have these players on the field, the opposing offense doesn't necessarily uh, look at the the defense and be able to predict what they're going to do because any of those players could play any of the positions. So I'm really, really intrigued by what that could be. Um, But this guy, he has quite the football history. He was born in Georgia. Um, He had two brothers that ended up playing college football. But at the end of the day, he went to Colquitt County High School. His team went 14 and 0 his senior season, but then lost in the championship. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Uh, was did football and track. He's super, super fast. He was a three-star athlete. He was the 50th ranked cornerback and the 54th best prospect out of Georgia in 2019. Uh, When he played at LSU as a freshman, he played in all 13 games as a true freshman during that championship run season. Um, This guy is a a special teams guy. I think that's where he'll start off with the Minnesota Vikings. This guy's a stud. His first two years, he blocked kicks. He was was doing pretty good. Uh, And then in 2021, he was moved uh, from corner to safety, and he started in all 11 games. Um, So I think it's interesting the fact uh, that he was a corner and then moved to safety. That feels a little bit more like positional need for LSU than maybe what was best for uh, Ward. But at the end of the day, he got experience in both. Um, you can maybe make an accusation that he's similar to Cam Bynum and the idea that he knows corner and safety. I'm intrigued to see what Cam Bynum does for our team this year. I've, even mm-hmm. uh, when you think about the um, the come up um, for, for our safety room and what happens to Cam Bynum, I think there's a chance that some of these guys play both positions um, if, if we're sensing a trend here. Uh, but at the end of the day, this guy's versatile. Uh, he's played in all, all the defensive backfield. So um, when, uh, when I think about the 2023 season, I expect him to start off on special teams and get integrated a little bit uh, play by play game by game into the, into the safety and cornerback room. But uh, special teams is where I see this guy thriving at least initially. Yeah. And Giles, you mentioning him potentially being a stalwart on special teams early in his career harkens me back, uh, reminds me of, and, and there's another element here that ties to me ward to this player. I'm going to compare him to a former Viking. Okay. When I look at Jay Ward, 
there's something about his background that reminds me of Jamarcus Sanford. Ooh, okay. When the Vikings selected Jamarcus Sanford, seventh round pick, I believe out of Ole Miss, um, it was nondescript to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up being a great player for the Vikings uh, yeah. over a long period of time and yes. started Solid on special player. teams um, and then was a great contributor, uh, becomes a starter and a very productive player. And quite frankly, a guy that was a tone setter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would characterize him as a leader, but I wasn't a player in the locker room. I was a staff member uh, around the locker room. So I don't mm-hmm. have the qualification to say Jamarcus Sanford was a great leader for the team. The players and coaches would have to tell you that, but he certainly set a tone with his style of play. Mm-hmm. And so after I had realized all of this and it became very obvious, obvious that Jamarcus Sanford was a, a key part of the Vikings defense, an important part of the Vikings defense, you kind of look back at like, wow, what a great find by Rick Spielman and this staff, how'd they do it? Well, a stat about Jamarcus Sanford that immediately stood out to me was during his four years at Ole Miss, he was the SEC's leading tackler. Mm-hmm. All right. So we all know the SEC is the best conference in the country. So over a four year stretch, don't you think it makes sense that the best tackler in the SEC over a four year stretch probably was going to be a good player in the NFL? Right. Yeah, probably good leading indicator. Good <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, so now, like, fast forward, Jamarcus Sanford's a good player for the Vikings. I'm like, man, what a great find. Look back on him. Like, well, duh. Yeah. So yeah. now here's the thing that Jay Ward, I bring Jay Ward back into this now. And you said it already. He played in 13 games as a true freshman during a national championship season. Yep. Like, I don't know how old he was, but I'm guessing he was 18 or 19 as a true freshman. Yep. And he's playing for LSU from the SEC, winning a national title, played in all 13 games. I mean, that cannot go understated. It can't. It can't. Exactly right. He has a winner mentality. Well, yeah, and he's he's got some ability, and obviously he's got some physical traits and certainly now has experience that he can mm-hmm. lean on and should serve him well at the NFL level. So my comp with him is Jamarcus Sanford for an unusual reason, but um, I think it's one of those where if three years from now, Jay Ward is a really good player for the Vikings, you look back at it and you see one of the top bullet points played 13 games as a true freshman during LSU's national championship season. Well, yeah, duh. of course he was good in the NFL, you know, hundred yeah. percent. And honestly, I think his versatility uh, ultimately ended up harming, harming him in his true draft status uh, mm-hmm. and his draft position. Uh, had he been focused in a particular place, I think he maybe would have seen a little bit more progression in some certain aspects. Um, Cause outside of that, I think this guy was a much higher uh, prospect than where he was drafted. So really excited for this good find. Yep. And you got to think that uh, Brian Flores and Durante Jones got together and Jones was like this, this kid I coached at LSU, like he's not going to go in the first couple rounds, yep, he's um, but he's really got some ability. He can do this, 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 and that well, yep. and it'd be great if we could get him. I know we're good at safety, but I think we can do that. And, and, and Flores turned the tape on and was like, oh, you're right. You're right. Yep. Like this. I like that, you know? And, um, the, the cool thing about when you take guys at this stage of the draft is you, you mm-hmm. know that there are holes in the resume. I mean, that's why yep. they didn't go in the first few rounds. So yep. you know there's stuff wrong. But at this point, you sit around as a staff and you say, what can he do? Mm-hmm. 
And those things, can we use those? Do we need those? And can we use those? And they obviously said yes to those with Jay Ward. So again, um, a player that I think the Vikings probably had on their board and wanted to get their hands on. And I'm not going to say that about every pick. Uh, like I, I think that there are just times where you you're on the clock, you don't love anyone, you got to take someone, and it happens. And I think that probably happened to the Vikings in this draft. But I think Jay Ward is one where they were kind of like, it'd be cool if we could get this guy. And yep. the board fell, and they were on the clock, and he was there, and they took him. Yep. And another notion to kind of support that would be Andrew Booth Jr.'s recent press conference. Uh, they were asking him how his recovery was going and yeah. asked him a bunch of uh, questions about his offseason. And one thing that really uh, stood out to me that he said was the fact that Brian Flores entered the room, uh, mm-hmm. entered the building, so to speak. And one of the first things that he asked all the defensive back players to do was to learn each other's positions. He's like, you are all responsible for knowing each other's positions, where if you're asked to step in, I want you to be fluent in every defensive back position. So um, at face value, you're like, well, of course, you want to know what the other guy's doing. Like if I'm playing left guard, I want to know right guard, you know, same thing on offense. But if you're looking at defense, if you're reading into that, I really, I really am expecting a little bit more creativity out of uh, Brian Flores based on that comment and other things that have happened this offseason, where I think you're going to see a lot of players doing some unique things. Yep. Yep. I think so too. And Uh, you know, I think that that's the way the NFL is going in general, but I think that's especially how Flores is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a new school or a new way of thinking as talent evaluators and team builders is Mm -hmm. it's not just so pigeonhole. Every position is not just so pigeonhole. Like you need this from them, this from that, this from over here. You can be, we, we've already used the word, but it's nebulous. You can be undefined and you can be sort of gray area Mm -hmm. you're not without direction you're not without vision that's part Mm -hmm. of the vision is to be unpredictable to be versatile Mm -hmm. to be able to change and shift you still like you want to be a you want to set the tone as an offense and a defense you want to have an identity and you want to set tone but you need to be able to adjust and you need to be able to be different uh based on circumstance and and situations and you might be injured at certain positions. So you got to be able to change your scheme and style of play to compensate for that. You might be playing another team that's got a unique way of attacking. So you mm-hmm. need to have a unique way to offset that. So mm-hmm. this, and I think the Viking safety room is the best example of this identity of, of not being so set in your way. It's the one way to do it. And then if someone solves that you're screwed, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think that was sort of a theme of this draft for the Vikings, uh, certainly among the first three picks. So, yep. And I could not wish for a, a different person to be able to lead that charge other than Brian Flores, because yeah. when you think about being a, a mad scientist, uh, experimental type room and the idea that let's try a few different things, let's be nebulous that can backfire on you too. If no one knows what they're supposed to do, that it, it has great upside, but if you can't get it off the ground, that it ends up flopping. But if I'm going to pick anyone to lead that charge, it's Brian Flores, because at yeah. the end of the day, we've said it before, I'll say it again. He's a brilliant teacher and uh, someone that is very driven. So I'm really excited about that combination in terms of what that can actually translate to on the field. Agreed. All right. So that's going to do it for this breakdown of the Vikings first three picks of the 2023 NFL draft next week. We will do a similar breakdown of the second three picks the last three picks the vikings had in the draft and if we have a little time left i think we can get into some of those undrafted free agents too giles Mm -hmm. um 
Giles and I and the rest of the NFL world expect the NFL to release its schedule. Now, word on the street was it would be this Thursday night. However, Peter King, uh, in his weekly column on Monday morning, suggested the schedule may not be ready for Thursday night. Now, when I hear that, I immediately think this is just the NFL PR machine's way of keeping the schedule release in the headlines. Like, hey, might not be ready on Thursday. Talk about that for a little while. Yeah. Right. And then on Thursday, it's like, oh, we got it ready. Here you go. Now you can. Right. And then you spend the next week talking about the schedule. So we'll see what happens. Uh, We might need to have an emergency, um, an emergency Wobcast 2.0. If the schedule does get released on Thursday, maybe we can find some time in our schedules to to get an emergency episode out on Friday or Saturday. Talk about the Viking schedule. If not, uh, we'll do a schedule release breakdown in addition to uh, another draft breakdown next week. That sound good to you guys. Let's do it. All right. So to uh, listen back to a past podcast, to catch future ones, and to subscribe to this podcast, please go to wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us and listen to us on YouTube. We encourage you to do that and subscribe to us there. You can find me on Twitter at Wabi. Find us on social media. Interact with us. Let us know what you think. We love it when fans dictate some of the content. We want to make sure we're talking about what you want to hear about. So on behalf of Giles, This is Wabi signing off from the Wabcast for now, but we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, Skull Vikings.